0: We're going to get started. If you don't have a handout, just put your hand up and we'll make sure we get one to you. It's called, the, the title of this teaching is The Condition of Your Heart. Oh, I remembered one more, can't, sorry, I remembered one more announcement. <clears throat> um, part of our weekend up north is Marlene Kleps is going to be joining us. And those of you who know Marlene, she's visited Life Christian in this region a lot. An amazing testimony, healed of cerebral palsy. When she was 18, she lived a life of complete disability, wasn't able to walk, wasn't able to communicate hardly at all. Um, By the time she was 18, she was a quadriplegic. She'd had severe seizures, and it it literally uh, caused her to be quadriplegic. And she was going to be put in a nursing home for the rest of her life. Her mom and dad were killed in an accident when she was really young, so she was raised by her great-grandparents. Just lots of stuff. Well, she was miraculously healed in an instant. It was phenomenal. Her testimonies, if you Google her, you can see it on, online. Her last name is spelled K-L-E-P-E-E-S, K-L-E-P-E-E-S, if you want to Google her. Um, anyway, she's going to be coming to Big Rapids um, to, to be part of this healing weekend in Big Rapids, and then she's going to be at Rochester First Assembly on Tuesday. Um, which this coming Tuesday at 7 o'clock. There are, I have printed out maybe 15 flyers. So if you're interested, pick up a flyer on your way out. It'll give you directions to the church and all the information. Kent and I are on that ministry team too, so we'll be there on Tuesday as well. Just wanted to let you know. <clears throat> She'll be here in Rochester on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday at 7 o'clock. And there is a flyer back there with all of the information. Okay. Now we're really going to start. Okay, this teaching is entitled The Condition of Your Heart. For the last couple weeks, Tom has been teaching about spirit, soul, and body. And this teaching, I believe, just tandems that teaching in a really powerful way. The word heart, as we speak of it, of course it can be a physical organ, but the heart that I'm talking about is really our soul. It's our inner person, our mind, our will, our emotions. This teaching is about the condition of your heart. The condition of your heart is determined by what you put your attention on. The condition of your heart is determined by what you focus on, what you focus your attention on. So throughout this teaching, I'm going to be using some verbiage that sounds like this. What are you sensitive to? What are you hardened to? What, are you, what is your heart, your soul, sensitive to? And what is it hardened to? The word hardened, I'm going to use the word hardness of heart quite a bit tonight. And hardness of heart, when you think about that term, it sounds like a bad thing. It can be. But it can also be a good thing. And you're going to see that throughout this teaching. So I'm going to def- define hardness of heart. A hard heart is cold. Now we're talking about directed towards something. Hardness of heart directed towards something. It's usually not a general blanket, hardness of heart. But a hardness, hard heart is cold, insensitive, calloused, unfeeling, unyielding. So you'll see on your paper there's two big headings. One is the problem and the other one is the solution. So first I'm going to define the problem. The problem is that a hardness of heart may be keeping us from being sensitive to God. And it may keep us from being led by him. Hearing his voice and being led by him. We can be hardened toward God and yet be a really good person. You can be moral, live a good life, be a really good person, and still have a hardened heart towards God. I'm going to explain that throughout this teaching. Hardness is not caused only by rebellion and sin. That's one way that it can be caused. We will talk about that briefly. But that's not the only way. So the question is how? How can your heart be hardened? We don't want hard hearts. We don't want hearts that keep us from being sensitive to God, that keep us from hearing his voice, that keep us from being led to him. So why could we possibly have a hard heart? The first possible reason is because we're more moved by what we see Than what God says. That's one possible reason why we may have a hardened heart. Remember, the condition of our heart is determined by what we focus on. So, and we're going to talk about that in more depth in a minute. But one problem is that we may be more moved by what we see than what God says. Would you please turn with me right now to Mark chapter 6. Starting with verse 45. In this account, right before this account, Jesus feeds the 5,000. He moves with compassion because there's multitudes of people. They're there hearing him preach and teach and heal. And there's no food. And he multiplies the food and feeds 5,000. And I'm starting right after that account, verse 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves, beyond measure, and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. They had a hardened heart. They didn't understand. We're going to talk about that being another characteristic of a hardened heart in just a second. But they were in this position where they, they were more moved by what they saw with the, the image of Jesus walking on the water than they were in what? They, they got it said to them or what they knew from the, from the, the circumstance with the multiplication of loaves. We'll talk more about that in a second too. And then they were amazed. They were completely marveled. They were in awe. One of the signs that you may have a hardened heart towards God is that you are completely amazed by His power. You are completely amazed by miracles. And the opposite is also true. The opposite is that when you pray, you really don't expect to see results. And if you don't see results, you say, well, that's kind of what I expected. A sensitive heart to God, one that's not hardened, expects miracles. A sensitive to heart, heart to God isn't surprised. You're excited, but you're not surprised. It's like, of course. That's the result that God completed. That's what's in that spiritual realm for us. That's what's available to simply draw, like Tom taught last week, out of the spiritual realm and into the natural. When our mind is so renewed to that truth that there's no other option. That's ours to have. So one of the signs, and this is one that we see here, is that they were so amazed. They just didn't, it was completely, they thought he was a ghost. They couldn't figure it out. I'm going to read these same last two verses from the Amplified. This is verse 50 and 51, I believe. No, 51 and 52. And he went up into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, sank to rest as if exhausted by its own beating, or its own, yeah, beating. Hold it so I can see. And they were astounded exceedingly beyond measure, for they failed to consider or understand the teaching and the meaning of the miracle of the loaves. In fact, their hearts had grown callous, had become dull, and had lost the power of understanding. They weren't considering what Jesus already did. They weren't considering the the miracle of the loaves. They weren't considering what they knew about Jesus, his miracles, his signs, his wonders. They weren't considering any of that. They saw Jesus walking on the water, and they were floored. They were petrified. They were marveled beyond belief. They didn't, they didn't say, well, of course he can walk on the water. He can multiply loaves. He can heal sick. It doesn't even surprise me. Okay. The second... Uh, Number two on here, another um, sign that you have a hardened heart towards God is a heart that totally forgets what God did for you and focuses on what's going on around us instead. So you've had uh, miraculous things happen. Miraculous things happen. And then something else happens in your life that isn't so good and it's like you've lost your memory of all that miraculous stuff that just happened. A hardened heart dulls our memory. Our memory is linked to our heart. What our heart is sensitive to will remember. Listen to that. What our heart is sensitive to will remember. This isn't on your paper, I don't think. What our heart is hardened to Will forget. I'm going to show you an example of that in Scripture. We just read Mark chapter 6. He multiplied the loaves and then he walked on the water. Turn to chapter 8. The heading says Feeding the 4,000. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? What did they do? They forgot what he had just done. He had multiplied the bread for 5,000 And Jesus said, we have to feed these people. I have compassion on them. They've been here. They're hungry. And he's kind of telling the disciples, what are you going to do? And he says, well, what can we do? We're in the wilderness. What can we do? They had forgotten the miracle that he had done for the 5,000. They had completely forgotten it. And now I'm going to go on to verse 13. Before I do, I want to read this little note. Another symptom of that hardened heart is that it doesn't perceive or understand. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't know. You can know truth. But that truth isn't effective in a way that will change us because it's not an understanding. It's a knowledge, but it's not an understanding that, that takes us into a position of saying, I don't care what I see. I believe. I don't care what's in front of me. I don't care what that doctor report says. I believe God at His word anyway. It's a and the, the the issue with the heart and heart is that you know, but you don't perceive and understand. So it doesn't affect a change. It doesn't affect that drawing out of the spiritual realm and into the natural. And I'm going to show this to you in scripture. I'm actually going to start with verse 11 because it helps you to understand it a little better. And verse 11 and 12 aren't on the, the um, PowerPoint. Then the Pharisees came out. This is right after he fed the 4,000. Right directly after. Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven and testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. He's had it with the Pharisees. He's had it with their, um, their hypocrisy. And he left them. He left the Pharisees. And getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Here we go with the bread again. And they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began to reason among themselves, saying, It's because we have no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? We're talking about hardened hearts. And one of the symptoms is not perceiving or understanding. Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When you forget what God has already done, it's a sign of a hardened heart towards God. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, twelve. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. And so he said to them, how is it you don't understand? Their understanding was clouded. Their perception was clouded. Their memory of the miracles was was lax. And they were focused on the the, the, the literal. They were focused on the... The thing that was right in front of them, what they saw, instead of what Jesus said and what he had done. So a hardened heart doesn't perceive or understand. So the, not, the disciples had a lot of knowledge. They could answer Jesus the questions when he asked them. They remembered the facts, but they didn't, that didn't influence their behavior. Their knowledge was non-productive. Because they didn't have the spiritual perception and the wisdom to use it. So before I go on, I'm just going to stop and pray. Father God, open our eyes that we would see. Open our ears that we would hear. Right now, I just declare, right now, I declare that we all put our focus on you, Jesus. Not on what we see in the natural realm. Not on what we hear. Not on our own circumstances. But we put our eyes on you. And as we talk about the solution... We want to be sensitive to you, God. We want to be completely sensitive to you and everything that you have offered to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. The grace, the gift, the completed work. That's where we want our focus to be. That's what we want our attention to be on. So, Father God, right now, just clear away the clouds. Clear away the the misunderstandings or the lack of understanding or the forgetfulness. Just wash it away. And may we have minds to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So now we're going to talk about the the solution. Okay, here's the good news. You can become sensitive to God and hardened to the other junk of the world. Hardened to the world. And I'm just going to use the word world for now. But you can be hardened to the diagnosis, hardened to the symptoms, hardened to the people's words, Hardened to all those lies. You can be hardened to all of that. Remember the word hardened means insensitive, callous, unyielding. That's a good place to be hardened to. You can be sensitive to God and hardened to the world. So you can do a reversal. You can reverse the condition of your heart to the point that one word from God would nullify all of that other junk. And you won't even hear it. It won't even affect you. What we think on or focus our attention on controls the condition of our heart. What we think or focus on controls the condition of our heart. I'm going to say that line over and over today. What you put your attention on determines the condition of your heart. Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So we're going to talk about two words or two phrases. Consider and consider not. Whatever things you consider, you become sensitive to. And whatever things you consider not, you become hardened to. Today, I was reading Lisa's testimony. She's going to be sharing her testimony up north. And it just blessed the heck out of me. Because she used these words. She used these exact words. She didn't know what I was teaching. She considered not the doctor's report. She considered not the MRI. She considered not the doctor when he told her to go home and put her, her life in order. She put her attention on the word of God, the promises of God. She was single-minded. She completely put her attention on God's word. She wouldn't even look at the MRI. She had the slides. She still has the slides. She never looked at them. She refused to even look at them. She considered not that that tumor was 25% of her brain. She chose to consider not what the doctors were saying. And she's healed. She literally drew from the spiritual realm because her attention was focused in the right place. And her heart wasn't hardened to God. Her heart was sensitive to God. And it was hardened to all that other stuff. I'm going to define the word consider, because we're going to talk about consider and consider not. When you consider something, you take it into account, you ponder it, you study it, you examine it, you deliberate upon it, you meditate on it. That's the... That's what we do when we consider. It's not just a fleeting thought. It's not just a simple, okay, I consider that, done. It is a continuous. When Lisa was considering the word, she was doing it continuously. And she was continuously considering not all of the other stuff. When we consider, now we're going to, we're going to look at the positive part. When we consider the finished work of Jesus... When we consider the promises of the Word, and we do all of these things that we just talked about, pondering, studying, examining, deliberating upon, meditating. When we're doing that, what we're doing is we are conceiving. We are becoming pregnant. Okay, men, you got to go with me for a minute. We are becoming pregnant with that with that truth, with that real thing called healing or whatever it is that you're believing for that's God's in God's word. You literally, it, become, it starts in a seed form. And Lisa, I'm sure you can agree with me. When I first started the process of meditating and considering God's word, it started as a very tiny, tiny seed. And then as I continued to consider, continued to meditate, that thing grew like, like a baby growing in your womb. And it grew and grew and grew to such an extent that it was like all of me. It's like all I knew, all I believed. And the doctor's report wasn't even considered. It, it, there's no way that that could have anything to do with me because in me was God's truth and then the birth. Of the miracle came. So that thing that we conceive, that thing that we consider, we conceive. And, it, and we become pregnant with it and give birth. Now we've talked a lot in here about Abraham, the great man of faith. But the reason he was great really wasn't because of his faith. It was because of what he did not consider. I'm going to show you that in the Bible. Turn with me to Romans 4, what he did not consider. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Sorry, sometimes when I talk, I, don't, I, I can't think at the same time, so I, it takes me a while to find my scriptures. Okay, starting with verse 18, this is referring to Abraham. Abraham. Abraham, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he had been given this promise. That he was going to be the father of many nations, and he considered not all of, the, all of the reasons for that not to come to pass. He considered not that he was 100 years old and impotent. That's a pretty big deal. He considered it not. He considered not that his wife was not only had been barren when she was young, but now she'd gone through the childbearing years. She was no longer able. You know, she was through menopause or whatever you call it. He considered not. I'm going to show you another example. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11? What Abraham didn't consider. Starting with verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So here's Abraham. Uh, The promise was that he would be the father of many nations. He went through that whole thing where it was many years actually before they conceived and had Isaac. And now Isaac is a young man and God asked him to to sacrifice him he considered not that his son would die. That wasn't an option. Guys, if God said, okay, I'm asking you to sacrifice your son and you take your son up the mountain, build an altar, get the wood, get the knife, and you're ready to do it, and you're still considering not that he's going to die. And, and the Bible says, he said, well, even if he does, he has to raise him up from the dead. Because... The promise said that Isaac will be the seed. In Isaac, your seed shall be called. It has to happen. He considered not the, any alternative. And he received the object of, of his believing. What made Abraham so amazing wasn't so much his great faith, but it was his discipline over his thoughts. Our heart is our mind, our will, and our emotions, our thinking our will, and our emotions. So the question is, what are you considering? I'm going to just kind of talk through a hypothetical situation. Um, and this is, a, this is very typical, very typical in the world, and probably we've all done this too. Go to the doctor, and you get a report. That's not good. And the first thing that you do, and again, this is all hypothetical, the first thing you do is you talk to the doctor in great detail about the report. You want to know every detail. You want the the numbers. You want to see how your numbers compare to normal. You want to see how far out of range they are. You want to see the pictures of the MRIs. This is not Lisa. (laughs) This is the natural person out there in the world. You you want all the details. You feel you need all the details. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that you talk to people. You talk to everybody you know that has gone through something similar so they can kind of, you know, tell you what they've already learned. You talk to people that have had the same disease. You talk to somebody who knows somebody who had the same disease. You talk, you talk, you talk. You get all the information that you can get about the disease, about the treatment, about the prognosis, whatever. You talk, you talk, you talk. And then the third thing is that you do research. And you go out there. You go to the Internet. You you read. You, you see everything that's out there. You look at all of the doctors, the best hospitals, the best treatments. You, you do all your research. You gather it all. You consider the world. You consider the doctor's report. You consider the the, um, the research. You consider the people's opinions. You consider, consider, consider. Now, if you are um, a Christian, or or maybe not even a Christian, because a lot of times, even when you're not a Christian, you'll ask for prayer. So you, then you ask for prayer. And maybe, if you're really, really lucky, you know the promise of God. And so you, you speak God's promise. You say, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. But the problem is that you haven't given as much of your heart. We're talking about the condition of our heart. You haven't given as much of your heart to considering God's word as you have the other stuff. Remember, your, the condition of your heart is, based on, is determined on what you put your attention on. You become sensitive to what you put your attention on. You become hardened to what you don't put your attention on. So if all of your attention is on the research and the doctor's reports and all of that, that's what you're sensitive to and you're hardened to God unknowingly. Unknowingly. And you may be asking for prayer. You may be praying yourself. You may be speaking a, a scripture or, or a lot of scriptures. But you still then hardened to God because your focus is not where it should be. It's out of balance, way out of balance. I'm going to go to another scripture about hardened hearts. This is Hebrews chapter 3. Turn there with me, please. Hebrews 3. Starting with verse 7. Okay. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore I was angry with that generation, and said they always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my way. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So I want to just talk about some of the the, the details about the scripture. The first point I want to make, it says, do not harden your hearts. So who hardens your heart? You do. It's, It's something that we do, probably unknowingly, but it's something that we do. God doesn't do it to us we harden our hearts in the scripture it says it says for 40 years you saw my works we've read the account of the israelites and the exodus and the years in the wilderness when they saw miracle after miracle after miracle remember one of the signs of a hardened heart is forgetting forgetting all of the great stuff that god did They go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. Remember, one of the signs of a hardened heart is not understanding or not perceiving the goodness of God. And then it goes on, and it says, it says that when you don't perceive or understand, the immediate result is unbelief. So it talks about not understanding or not knowing. And then in the next verse it says, Beware, lest there be in any of you that evil heart of unbelief. That, that leads to unbelief. That hardened heart towards God. When your attention is focused on the world instead of the word, the, uh, one of the results is unbelief. You can become hardened also through the deceitfulness of sin. It says in the scripture, departing, um, let's see, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now I want to, I want to just stop there for a second and, and talk about this for just a, just a very short minute. I do a teaching called godly living and it, I, in that, in that teaching, I talk about yielding, yielding to God. That's a definition of being sensitive, yielding. A hardened heart is unyielding. So it's not that your holiness moves God. God's already moved. Our sins have already been forgiven completely. However, when you are separated under God, when you are committed to Him, when you are yielding to Him, it causes you to be sensitive to Him. And you're, and you're not hardened to Him. You're sensitive to Him. So it says that you can become hardened by deceitfulness of sin, and that literally means that you, instead of yielding to God, you're yielding to the world, and and again that causes hardness in that area, hardened to God and sensitive to the world. We want to be the opposite. There's a man I want to talk briefly about. Um, his name is Smith Wigglesworth. Weird name. But how many of you have heard the name? Probably a lot of you have. He was an amazing healing evangelist. Powerhouse. Powerhouse man of God. He lived, uh, what, 100 plus years ago? He's been dead for a long time. He was an uneducated man. The only book he ever read was the Bible. He couldn't read. He learned to read. I'm sure the Holy Spirit helped him. This was his source. One of the, uh, one of the attributes of this man was that he led a completely separated life, completely. When I say separated life, he was only separated unto God. That's the only thing that he focused his attention on. That was it. I've read a lot of accounts and stories about him, and literally if people would come to his house and knock on the door and they had a newspaper in his hand, they'd say, he'd tell them, you can come in, but leave the newspaper out there. Back then there was no television or radio. He wouldn't even read a newspaper at all, ever. He was completely, now this is extreme, I know. We don't live in that kind of a world. But the the other interesting thing about this man was that he was seen as a really mean, hard man. But this is why. He was hardened to the devil and his junk. So when he would be at a meeting or a healing meeting or just a home, because he would go to people's homes when they were sick on their deathbed, He wasn't soft. (laughs) He would take that person. I've heard a story where there was somebody who came so sick with cancer that they couldn't walk. They were in a a wheelchair, and they were weak, and they were so weak. And um, the people brought him up. Two people came, brought the person up for prayer. And he said, stand him up. Now let go of him. And the person fell on the floor. And he said, stand him back up again. And they did. And he says, okay, now let go. And the person fell down again. And now the people are getting mad. They think he's cruel. But what he is, is he's hardened to the sickness. Sorry. He's hardened to the demonic oppression, the sickness in this person. He's not hardened to the person. He loves God and he wants to see that person healed. Everybody thinks he's cruel. He says, get that person up. Stand him up, and they say, no, we're not going to do that. That's cruel. And he said, do what I say. I mean, he was so hardened to the enemy that he was, if you look at my definition of hardened, he was insensitive. He was unyielding. He was cold. He was calloused to the cancer, to the disease. So they stood the person up again, and he says, let go. And that time, the person was completely healed, completely healed every person that smith wigglesworth prayed for was healed he had a hundred percent record i think i mean everything i've read i've read a lot of stuff where he's healed miraculously so many people but he was so separated that was where his complete focus was he was so single-minded he had such a strong faith because that's all he focused on he was hardened to the yuck he was sensitive to god would you turn with me to Joshua 1 8. We're going to look at God's direction for us. God's direction for us. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God says meditate in the word. Meditate. Now, it uses the word law. This is an Old Testament. But boy, if it worked in the Old Testament, how much better in the New? Meditate on his word day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. If all you did was meditate on God's word, you'd be prosperous. You'd have good success because you're, you're sensitive to him and hardened to the world. It doesn't take huge faith, but it does take pure faith. The next scripture I'd like to look at is Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. This is a scripture I love. I share it a lot. My son... Give attention to my words. Let's stop right there. What you focus your attention on, you will be sensitive to. It will determine the condition of your heart. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. When we become sensitive to God, when we we are focusing our attention on him, it is health, it is life. As your mind is renewed through that focus, through that attention, life is the result, fullness of life, the life that Jesus came to give, including healing, including health. We need to be sensitive to God, and we do that by the things we consider. I said the same thing again. The things we focus our attention on. The reason most of us hear the devil easier than we do God is because we spend more time listening to the devil. I'm going to give you an example. Many of you have heard it, but I'm going to tell it again because it's a good example, and that's Yvonne. When Yvonne was in the middle of her journey, Yvonne is on our ministry team, and she, had, she was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she went through the whole protocol, and God completely supernaturaled every part of the treatment. So whatever the doctor said, it was twice as good. The results were at least twice as good. Everything was so much better than the doctor expected all along the way. Well, in the middle of that journey, there was a, a terrible tragedy in her neighborhood, and a young Boy was killed in an accident. And that threw her. You see, the devil was speaking really loudly to her. So she was in the middle of this journey. She was believing God, and yet she saw this devil thing happen, this really evil thing happen. And fear set in about her life and about what she was going through and about her family and about her husband and her children. And the devil was speaking in her ear, and she knew enough to take authority and to speak against the devil. And she did. She said, no, 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 leave me be. Get away, I have authority, go. And she had to do it, 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 and she had to keep doing it. And then the next day, she realized that she had spent more time talking to the devil. She had put more focus, more of her attention, on the devil, then she had God. And she changed her tactics. She got an iPod. She downloaded a bunch of Andrew Womack teachings. This that I'm sharing with you tonight is based on one of his teachings called Hardness of Heart that I've been devouring. His teachings are really good. She downloaded all of his teachings. She put that iPod with buds in her ears. She didn't even put it on her stereo. That was too far away. It was too much distraction between the stereo speakers and her. So she put those earbuds in her ears, and she listened six to eight hours a day. Where was she focusing her attention? On God, on truth. The devil couldn't get in. There was a shift. That's how she fought fear. Instead of focusing on the bad stuff, instead of focusing on the fear, instead of trying to fight the fear... She put her attention completely on God by putting those earbuds right in her ear. Another issue that we have is the world that we live in and all of the distractions of the world. We have, of course, uh, I shouldn't say of course, I shouldn't uh, accept it, but in this world there is perversion. Perversion. There is immorality. There is sin. There is sin that doesn't even look like sin anymore. It is sin. But the downward spiral in this world is yuck. And there is entertainment that goes with all of it. So the TV shows all of this stuff. It's, we've become complacent in this world to all of the yuck that's out there. It's, it's for real out there, but it's also part of the entertainment system. The music, the movies, the, even the reality TV, all of this stuff, it's just very big in our world. We, can, and if, we don't even have to have a TV, all we need is a phone. <laughs> we can go to Facebook and there's video after video after video on our Facebook and we can watch all those video clips. I do it, you know? It's there. We are immersed in the world. That can be a problem. I'm going to give you two examples. One example. I told you a little bit about Lisa and how she considered not the the MRI and all the reports. She considered God's word. But she also was cautious about what she fed her eye gates and her ear gates. She had scriptures all over her house. She spent her time worshiping, praising, meditating on the word. Um, And she had family, so she did family stuff. You know, she took care of her daughters, cooked, took care of her home, and that kind of stuff, too. And then there was another woman. The same time Lisa was fighting cancer, there was another woman who was also fighting cancer who came to Life Christian Church. She came through illness recovery. She didn't come to life first. She was diagnosed with cancer. And then she started coming to illness recovery. It was called illness recovery then. And then she went to Life Christian. But she didn't do what Lisa did. Her mom and I are still friends, actually. And her mother called me. I remember this phone call very well. And she said, I'm really, really worried about my daughter. She is feeding herself TV all day. It's like taking her mind off of her problem, and so she just puts on TV. She watches reality TV and, and sitcoms and day, daytime stuff. And that's what she was filling herself with by the hour to get her mind off of the problem. She was considering the world. That's one of the devil's tactics. That's one of the devil's tactics. When you become enmeshed enmeshed with the world, that's what your focus is on. And whatever your focus is on, you will become sensitive to. And whatever your focus isn't, Uh, you'll become hardened to. So unknowingly, she was becoming hardened to God and his promises and his word. And her results weren't very good. Well, I shouldn't say that. She's in heaven. That part's really good. But she did pass away. I'm going to give you another example. Um, Last summer, Kent and I were up north, and... um, We we were just hanging out, wanted to just kick back, so I wanted to watch a movie. I have a website. You probably have heard It's called the Dove, Dove something. And what it does is it rates movies for Christians, and it rates them, you know, so that you know that they're safe to watch, right? Because I won't watch just anything on TV, but I do love to watch movies. I love to just enjoy a good movie with my husband. So I went on this website. I write down a list of movies that are potentials, and then we go on our I don't know, whatever we watch movies, Amazon Prime or whatever, to find a movie. And we, we found a movie that was on the Dove list, and we watched it. It shouldn't have been on the Dove list. <laughs> it had a lot. It was a, it was a comedy, but it had a lot of killing in it. And it was a com- comedy, but it had a lot of killing in it. And it, it just wasn't a good movie. And while I was watching it, I could feel it in my gut. You know, it was like, I shouldn't be watching this. But, I mean, it wasn't that bad, so I kept watching it. That night I went to bed, watched the whole movie, it was terrible, I don't even remember what the movie was, but that night I went to bed and in the middle of the night I woke up and I had an oppression on me. I could literally feel this, this weirdness on me. You know, when, sometimes when you wake up in the morning and you feel depressed and you don't know why, it's like, you just feel like yuck and you don't have any reason to feel that way. I, that happened to me. I woke up in the middle of the night and I felt this, just Yuck. And I asked God immediately, I said, God, what is that? And this is what he said. He said, don't be entertained by the devil's play. It was like, oh, my goodness. I took something into my myself that was the devil's play. And he can do that. He can do that. The enemy, with the world, with the entertainment, with the callousness of sin that doesn't even seem like sin anymore you can just kind of get wrapped up in all that stuff and he warned me he said don't be entertained by the devil's play and i knew exactly what he was talking about because that movie was really bad so be cautious of what you're feeding yourself in your eye gates and your ear gates be cautious of what you're taking in and how you're spending your time what you focus your attention on you'll be sensitive to what you do not consider you'll be hardened to harden your heart towards the devil's purpose the devil stuff and you won't even hear his voice now this is where it really gets cool go to john 10 with me we're almost done john chapter 10 verses 4 and 5 and when he brings out his own sheep He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Jesus is the shepherd. We are his sheep. We know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. I always always misquoted this. I always misquoted this and said, and I said, I am the sheep. Jesus is my shepherd and I know his voice. I hear his voice. I recognize his voice. The enemy, I'm not listening to his voice. Nope, nope, nope. That's how I would quote it, but that's not what this says. It says I don't even know his voice. When you are hardened to the enemy and the devil's ploys, when you are separated into God and focused on his word and his his great stuff, You literally don't hear the enemy's voice, and I will attest to that. Now, I'm not saying I never do, because I do, occasionally. I do. I do have times, and I could sit and tell you some, where I have sensed the attack of the enemy in in a season of my life or in a time of my life. But for the most part, I don't. And I know I've heard this many times, and I disagree with it. I'm just going to put this down there right now. I have heard that when you are working for God the devil's going to attack you boy because you're doing a good work for God I disagree Amen. because when you are sensitive to God when you are um paying a, your attention is focused on him this scripture says you don't even hear the voice of the enemy he has no he, he doesn't even try he doesn't even try he stays away. I am hardened to the enemy. I'm not going to buy it. Now, I'm not saying that never happens because it does. And we are a process. I'm not Smith Wigglesworth. I'm sorry. I'm not Smith Wigglesworth. You know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be that way yet. Maybe I will. In Jesus' name, I should want to uh, to be like that completely. But I disagree. I believe we can live a life that Jesus came to give us. I call it a divine life. God gives us divine healing, divine health, but even more. A divine life where you live a life focused, centered, sensitive to him, and hardened to the junk, hardened to the devil's play, hardened to that stuff. And if you make a mistake like I did and watched that movie, he told me. God, the Holy Spirit, convicted me. He said, don't mess around with the devil's play. Don't be entertained by that. And I said, okay, God. And that's it. Done. Spend quality and quantity time with God, being separated unto him. And I just want to put a plug in for um, uh, the conference. I know you guys can't go. But they're really powerful. And I think the reason these weekend conferences are so powerful is because you separate yourself from, from all the stuff of your life. You, you get away. You, you say, okay, I'm setting aside all of this stuff. I'm not, you know, not going to be working in my lawn. I'm not going to be doing laundry. I'm not going to be cooking up. Mm-mm. This weekend is me and God. And you literally starve the devil out of your life. It's awesome. And what I see what Ken and I have been so blessed to see is the the um the power and the presence of God is so strong, and it like ramps up through the weekends as the people are 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 because that's what they're doing they're focusing their attention on God and his word and his promises and his power and his love and everything that he has, and all of that other stuff isn't a part of where we're at, oh no so They're being hardened towards the enemy and being sensitive unto God. It's awesome. My last point. Be totally committed. Sometimes in this life, we are too darn passive. We need to be more committed. We need to be committed. We need to stop the conception of thoughts that are contrary to God's Word. We talked about considering and considering not. That's something you want to abort. Don't let yourself become pregnant with negative thoughts, with the devil's lies, with the, with the whatever the, the enemy is trying to get you to buy. Say, oh no, I am not conceiving that in my belly. And any seed that's in there, I call you aborted. I'm conceiving God's truth in me. Period. Nothing else. So, renew your mind by meditating on God's word instead of the world. Meditate on what God says. Whatever you focus your attention on is what you'll be sensitive to. Whatever you consider not, you'll be hardened to. So, be sensitive to God, be hardened to the devil. Now, that's some food for thought. That's some food for thought. I just pray over this, Father God. I pray over this word. I pray, Father, no condemnation. There is no condemnation in Jesus. No matter where we are right now, no matter what we are walking in right now, no matter what we've done this week, today, I declare that the truth of your word will set us free. Knowing the truth of your word will set us free. I speak right now in the spiritual realm that we literally draw out of that realm all that you have for us and into our fullness of our life, our thinking, our acting, our physical body, our, our issues of life, God, that we just literally draw from the spiritual realm right now and into the natural as we consider you. And we consider not anything that is in contrary to you. And I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.